Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 80. Today in our readings, we'll be coming across a word, Ebenezer. You may recognize that from uh, the book or movie, A Christmas Carol, Ebenezer Scrooge. It's the same name. And this name is given uh, to God, actually, as the God who is the stone of help, the one who helps, Ebenezer. That's what the name means. And what we notice in our story is a struggle in our lives to really know who to trust, who can really help us. And while we often look to other people and other things, just as we'll see in the passages, ultimately, God is the only true Ebenezer, the only true rock or stone of help. So let's read the passages and see how this works itself out. 1 Samuel chapter 6. When the ark of the Lord had been in the land of the Philistines for seven months, the Philistines called the priests and the omen readers, saying, What should we do with the ark of the Lord? Advise us as to how we should send it back to its place. They replied, If you are going to send the ark of God of Israel back, don't send it away empty, but be sure to return it with a guilt offering. Then you will be healed, and you will understand why his hand has not been removed from you. They inquired, What is the guilt offering that we should send to him? They replied, The Philistine leaders number five. So send five gold sores and five gold mice, for it is the same plague that has afflicted both you and your leaders. You should make images of the sores and images of the mice that are destroying the land. You should honor the God of Israel. Perhaps he will release his grip on you, your gods, and your land. Why harden your hearts like the Egyptians and Pharaoh did? When God treated them harshly, didn't the Egyptians send the Israelites on their way? So now go and make a new cart, get two cows that have calves and have never had a yoke placed on them, harness the cows to the cart, and take their calves from them back to their stalls. Then take the ark of the Lord and place it on the cart and put it on in a chest beside, and put in a chest beside it the gold objects you are sending to him as a guilt offering. You should then send it on its way. But keep an eye of it on it. If it should go up by way of its own border to Beth Shemesh, then he has brought this great calamity on us. But if that is not the case, then we will know that this is not his hand that has struck us. Rather, it has just happened to us by accident. And just a little note here. Uh, the reason they, they got these cows that have never been yoked, that have just had calves, is they know that by nature these cows will return to their calves. They are not going to go away easily. And uh, so if they go away, they know God must be directing. And if not, it's by nature they're coming back and they know something else going on. So the men did as instructed. They took two cows that had calves and harnessed the cows to the cart. They also removed the calves to their stalls. They put the Ark of the Lord on the cart along with the chest, the gold mice, and the images of the sores. Then the cows went directly on the road to Beth Shemesh. They went along that route, bellowing more and more, They turned neither to the right nor to the left. The leaders of the Philistines were walking along behind them all the way to the border at Beth Shemesh. Now the residents of Beth Shemesh were harvesting wheat in the valley. When they looked up and saw the ark, they were pleased at the sight. The cart was coming to the field of Joshua, 
who was from Beth Shemesh. It paused there near a big stone. Then they cut up the wood of the cart and offered the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. The Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the chest that was with it, which contained the gold objects. They placed them near the big stone. At that time, the people of Beth Shemesh offered burnt offerings and made sacrifices to the Lord. The five leaders of the Philistines watched what was happening and then returned to Ekron on the same day. These are the gold sores that the Philistines brought as a gift offering to the Lord, one for each of the following cities, Ashdod, Geza, Eshkelon, Gath, and Ekron. The gold mice corresponding in number to all the Philistine cities of the five leaders from the fortified cities to hamlet villages to greater Abel. They positioned the ark of the Lord on a rock until this very day in the field of Joshua, who was from Beth Shemesh. But the Lord struck down some of the people of Beth Shemesh because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. He struck down 50,070 men. The people grieved because the Lord had struck down the people with a hard blow. The residents of Beth Shemesh asked, Who is able to stand before the Lord, this holy God? To whom will the ark go up from here? So they sent messengers to the residents of Kirath-Jerim, saying, The Philistines have returned the ark of the Lord. Come down here and take it back home with you. Then the people of Kirath-Jerim came and took the ark of the Lord. They brought it to the house of Abinadab, located on the hill. They consecrated Eleazar, his son, to guard the ark of the Lord. It was quite a long time, some twenty years in all, that the ark stayed in Kirath-Jerim. All the people of Israel longed for the Lord. Samuel said to all the people of Israel, If you are really turning to the Lord with all your hearts, remove from among you all the foreign gods and images of Ashtoreth. Give your hearts to the Lord and serve only him. Then he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the Israelites removed the Baals and the images of Ashtoreth. They served only the Lord. Then Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord on your behalf. After they assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. They fasted on that day and confessed there. We have sinned against the Lord, they said. So Samuel led the people of Israel at Mizpah. When the Philistines heard that the Israelites had gathered at Mizpah, the leaders of the Philistines went up against Israel. When the Israelites heard about this, they were afraid of the Philistines. The Israelites said to Samuel, Keep crying out to the Lord our God so that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. So Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Samuel cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. As Samuel was offering burnt offerings, the Philistines approached to do battle with Israel. But on that day, the Lord thundered loudly against the Philistines. He caused them to panic, and they were defeated by Israel. Then the men of Israel left Mizpah and chased the Philistines, striking them down all the way to an area below Bethkar. Samuel took a stone and placed it between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Up to here the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were defeated. They did not invade Israel again. The hand of the Lord was against the Philistine all the days of Samuel. The cities that the Philistines had captured from Israel were, ret- were returned to Israel from Ekron to Gath. Israel also delivered their territory from the control of the Philistines. There was also peace between Israel and the Amorites. So Samuel led Israel all the days of his life. Year after year, he used to travel the circuit of Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah. He used to judge Israel in all these places. Then he would return to Ramah because his home was there. He also judged Israel there and built an altar to the Lord there. In his old age, Samuel appointed his sons as judges over Israel. The name of the firstborn was Joel, and the name of the second was Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. 
But his sons did not follow his ways. Instead, they made money dishonestly, accepting bribes and perverting justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and approached Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, Look, you are old and your sons don't follow your ways. So now appoint over us a king to lead us, just like the other nations have. But this request displeased Samuel, for he said, for they said, Give us a king to lead us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. The Lord said to Samuel, Do everything the people request of you, for it is not you that they have rejected, but it is me that they have rejected as their king, just as they have done from the day that I brought them up out of Egypt until this very day. They have rejected me and have served other gods. This is what they are doing to you, also doing to you. So now do as they say, but you must warn them and make them aware of the policies of a king who will rule over them. So Samuel spoke all the Lord's words to the people of Israel who were asking for a king. He said, Here are the policies of the king who will rule over you. He will conscript your sons and put them in his chariot forces and in his cavalry. They will run in front of his chariot. He will appoint for himself leaders of thousands and leaders of fifties, as well as those who plow his ground, reap his harvest, and make his weapons of war and his chariot equipment. He will take your daughters to be ointment makers, cooks, and bakers. He will take your best fields, vineyards, and olive groves and give them to his own servants. He will demand a tenth of your seed and of the produce of your vineyards and give it to his administrators and his servants. He will take your male and female servants, as well as the best cattle and donkeys, and assign them to for his own use. He will demand a tenth of your flocks, and you yourselves will be his servants. In that day you will cry out because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves, but the Lord won't answer you in that day. But the people refused to heed Samuel's warning. Instead they said, No, there will be a king over us. We will be like the other nations. Our king will judge us and lead us and fight our battles. So Samuel listened to everything the people said, and then reported it to the Lord. The Lord said to Samuel, do as they say, and install a king over them. Then Samuel said to the men of Israel, Each of you go back to his own city. Here we have this interesting story, you know. The people were in desperate times, had no way of saving themselves, and God, on his own, saves them. He became the stone of his help. And not long after, they demand a king to save them. They demand a king to fight for them, not realizing and not remembering and not believing that God was the one who truly could do it. They didn't see and understand that God was truly their Ebenezer. And now we continue with Acts chapter 7. This is a continuation of the story from the previous episode where Stephen has been arrested. He's standing before the council, and this is the account of his trial before them and his defense. Then the high priest said, Are these things true? Speaking to Stephen. And Stephen replied, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our forefather Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran, and said to him, Go out from your country and from your relatives, and come to the land I will show you. Then he went out from the country of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. After his father died, God made him move to this country where you now live. He did not give any of it to him for an inheritance, not even a foot of ground, yet God promised to give it to him as his possession and to his descendants after him, even though Abraham as yet had no child. But God spoke as follows, Your descendants will be foreigners in a foreign country, whose citizens will enslave them and mistreat them for four hundred years. But I will punish the nation that served they serve as slaves, said God. 
And after these things, they will come up out of there and worship me in this place. Then God gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision. And so he became the father of Isaac and circumcised him when he was eight days old. And Isaac became the father of Jacob and Jacob of the 12 patriarchs. The patriarchs, because they were jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles and granted him favor and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and over his whole household. Then a famine occurred throughout Egypt and Canaan, causing great suffering, and our ancestors could not find food. So they went. So when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent our ancestors there the first time. On their second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers again, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. So Joseph sent a message and invited his father Jacob and all his relatives to come, seventy-five people in all. So Jacob went down to Egypt and died there, along with our ancestors, and their bones were later removed to Shechem and placed in the tomb that Abraham had bought for a certain sum of money from the sons of Hamor and Shechem. But as the time drew near for God to fulfill the promise he had declared to Abraham, the people increased greatly in number in Egypt, until another king who did not know about Joseph ruled over Egypt. This was the one who exploited our people and was cruel to our ancestors, forcing them to abandon their infants so that they would die. At that time, Moses was born, and he was beautiful to God. For three months, he was brought up in his father's house, and when he had been abandoned, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. So Moses was trained in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in his words and deeds. But when he was about 40 years old, it entered his mind to visit his fellow countrymen, the Israelites. When he saw one of them being hurt unfairly, Moses came to his defense and avenged the person who was mistreated by striking down the Egyptian. He thought his own people would understand that God was delivering them through him, but they did not understand. The next day, Moses saw two men fighting and tried to make peace between them, saying, Men, you are brothers. Why are you hurting one another? But the man who was unfairly hurting his neighbor pushed Moses aside, saying, Who made you a ruler and judge over us? You don't want to kill me the way you killed the Egyptian yesterday, do you? When the man said this, Moses fled and became a foreigner in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. After forty years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the desert of Mount Sinai in the flaming of a burning bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight, and when he approached to investigate, there came a vo- their voice of the Lord, saying, I am the Lord, God of your forefathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses began to tremble and did not dare to look more closely. But the Lord said to him, Take the sandals off of your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have certainly seen the suffering of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their groaning, and I have come down to rescue them. Now come, I will send you to Egypt. This same Moses they had rejected, saying, Who made you ruler and judge? God sent as both ruler and deliverer through the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out, performing wonders and miraculous signs in the land of Egypt, at the Red Sea, and in the wilderness for forty years. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. This is the man who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our ancestors, and he received living oracles to give to you. Our ancestors were unwilling to obey him, but pushed him aside and turned back to Egypt in their hearts, saying, to Aaron, make us gods who will go in front of us for this Moses who led us out into the land of Egypt. We do not know what has happened to him. 
At that time, they made an idol in the form of a calf, brought a sacrifice to the idol, and began rejoicing in the works of their hands. But God turned away from them and gave them over to worship the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets. It was not to me that you offered slain animals and sacrifices forty years in the wilderness, was it, house of Israel? But you took along the tabernacle of Molech and the star of the god of Raphan, the images you made to worship. But I will depart, deport you beyond Babylon. Our ancestors had the tabernacle of testimony in the wilderness, just as God who spoke to Moses ordered him to make it according to the design he had seen. Our ancestors received the possession of it and brought it in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before our ancestors until the time of David. He found favor with God and asked that he could find a dwelling place for the house of Jacob. But Solomon built a house for him. Yet the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands. As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne and earth is the footstool for my feet. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? And what is my resting place? Did not my hand make all these things? You stubborn people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. You are always resisting the Holy Spirit like your ancestors did. Which of the prophets did your ancestors not persecute? They killed those who foretold long ago the coming of the righteous one whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You received the law by decrees given by angels, but you did not obey it. When they heard these things, they became furious and ground their teeth at Stephen. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, looked intently toward heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they covered their ears, shouting with a loud voice and rushed at him with one intent. When they had driven him out of the city, they began to stone him. And the wilderness, and the witnesses laid their cloaks at the feet of a young man named Saul. They continued to stone Stephen while he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell to his knees and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he died. This is the first person in the early New Testament church who was martyred for his faith and his witness to Jesus. And that is who he's talking about at the end, the righteous one, the one that God sent to be the one that would be the final prophet, the one who would be the final stone of help, the one who would care for his people and provide for them by giving his very life in order to save them. Something the people that Stephen was talking to at that time refused to listen to while others received it with joy. And that's something for us to all consider as we think about our relationship with God, this God who is the stone of help. Is he the one we will look to for the help that we desperately need, or we will look to ourselves or to somebody else? Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music.